That's okay. Um, what color? Orange. Was that what you're using, Seth? Yeah. All right, orange. All right. So, Cody, Margaret, you want to say hello? Good morning. Hey, good morning. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So, here's our plan. Of course, most of y'all know Cody, and Margaret. Y'all known them longer than you've known me. Um, we're thankful to have them with us. They have been missionaries in Kenya. Uh, for a while now, and they are coming back and are going to be serving, uh, pastoring in Louisiana. And so I just, I, Cody knew that he wanted to share uh, a thank you with Mount Zion, so he's going to do that. But I wanted him to share with us kind of what life in Kenya is like. I mean, that's something that's pretty fascinating to most of us. I want us to know what mission work over there is like. So I want you to have the opportunity to hear some of those things. And then we're also, I'm, uh, I'm also going to ask him a couple questions about the church and the service that they'll be doing in Louisiana so that we can be more familiar with that, so that we can be praying for them more specifically as well. Um, so let's do this. I'd like to pray for us, and then after I pray, we'll uh, get into kind of a question and answer time. But let's pray together. Father God, it's good. Uh, it's good to be with brothers and sisters. Lord, I'm thankful that we have this week, um, Lord, an extra hour for all of us to spend together corporately. Lord, I'm thankful for our children that are in their classes now, the students and, uh, and their teachers. Lord, I pray that this time would be uh, greatly profitable for them as they continue to be discipled, to understand the truth of your word and the importance of it, and uh, that their hearts are continuing to grow to love you more and more. Father, I pray the same things for us in here. Lord, as we hear about uh, the work that Cody and Margaret and their family have been doing across the sea, uh, Father, as we hear about, Lord, the work of the Great Commission and how it's continuing to go, Father, that the gospel is going forth. And, uh, Father, I pray that our hearts are encouraged and that we are turned more towards you, more towards them, and more towards missions, Father, that you would use these things this morning to stir our hearts to love the lost more. And so, Father, do these things for us and allow us to enjoy this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, Cody, Margaret, so y'all can answer these kind of as you want. Y'all can go back and forth or um, however. But So the first question I had is, as y'all were leaving here, headed across the ocean to Kenya, if y'all want to tell a little bit about that process, what that looks like moving from here to there, um, Feel free, but but what are some of the goals that you had as y'all were leaving here? Kind of what was the plan as y'all were headed across the ocean? Yeah, I can go. Um, so one of the things we, we realized, we weren't going to be like frontier missionaries. So part of our decision was where is a really good church that we can go and join and serve alongside them? So we when we decided on Nairobi and we... Um, found our church, that was one way that COVID helped us was we can watch sermons and listen to sermons online. So we were able to kind of pick a church before we moved. I just knew, um, I just, we want, one thing we decided, we wanted to be really good church members. Um, so we wanted to go, we wanted to join the church. We wanted to sit under the preaching of God's word with our brothers and sisters there. We wanted to see how the Lord would use our gifts to um, serve them and so that was, a, you know, that was really my goal. I didn't have a grand ministry plan, um, but just to go and, and be a good church member. And 
my, one of, you know, my main ministry was homeschooling the children. That was one less transition for us. I was doing that in New Orleans, and then when, when we moved, continued to homeschool. And so that was something that was a little bit, um, and I might get into this later, but a little bit humbling for me was I'm, I moved all the way across the world, and I'm homeschooling my children. But what the Lord showed me was how important that was and how valuable um, that ministry was and that that truly could be my main ministry and then serve the Lord in other ways. And he, he provided opportunities to serve the church as well. But, yeah. Yeah, the, the bulk of really the, my ministry there was in theological education. So there's a huge need overseas for training up leaders. There, there are many Christian leaders around the world who desire to be trained in the word, uh, but they either can't afford it or just because of geographical proximity, they can't actually go to a school, right? So my goal of going over there was to uh, play a small part in training up leaders uh, around Kenya. So that took the form of, uh, I taught at a local university just outside of Nairobi. I taught church history and, and Christian theology. Uh, but as well, I partnered with other like-minded missionaries to start training sites uh, around Kenya for um, certificate-level training, specifically for guys who desired training but couldn't access it. So, um, for instance, in southern Kenya, where I would train often, uh, it's mainly the Maasai people group. So if you ever see a, a picture of Kenya and you see the men in usually red, red fabric, uh, they're kind of holding a spear. Not all Maasai dress like that, but that is kind of the the stereotypical Maasai man. They're the ones that they legit kill lions with spears. It's, uh, yeah, impressive. And uh, I've talked to some of them, like, how do you decide? Who do you take with you to go hunt a lion or whatever? Um, which is just fascinating conversations. The guy was like, yeah, just don't take any cowards with you. Um, <laughs> seems like sound, sound advice. But... Um, a lot of uh, the Maasai are, are herds people, and so they're a little bit nomadic, and many, especially the men, after eighth grade, they drop out of school because they have to take care of the, the cattle and the goats. Um, but th they want training, but because they haven't finished high school in Kenya, they can't get into a, uh, a Bible college or anything within the, the country. And so we went down there and helped start a training site at a, um, among a, a group of local Baptist churches and did a certificate-level program that was accredited through New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, the Certificate of Pastoral Ministries, and provided training for them. And that was just a, a huge blessing. So kind of my goal was just to play some small part in partnering with the local churches to, to strengthen local churches. Um. All right, so tell us this. Uh, as, you, as you were planning to go to Kenya, and now I know this is a little bit different because Cody had been to Africa multiple times. Margaret, had you been before? Yeah, so they had both been. So they probably didn't have as many misconceptions as some of us might would. But So what are some of the things that you think are pretty common misconceptions about life in Kenya or in, in parts of Africa that... Uh, that you could share with us that aren't really the way that we might picture them as being? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. So I had spent some time in um, West Africa, and um, one of the misconceptions is that 
you know, way over in East Africa, the culture's the same. It's actually, it's not. Um, it's quite different. Um, but I think for me, one of the, um, I don't know, just things that I learned as I got there was like, this is a, in Nairobi, life in Nairobi, it was a major metropolis. I mean, it was a very developed, modern city. Um, and it's just, you know, when you think of Africa, that might not be the, the idea that comes to mind. So that was, that was just a, you know, something I, I didn't know until we got there was like, no, we're, this is a major city and we're living a pretty modern life um, when we were there. So, yeah, you know, I think along, along with that, just thinking through there, there is a conception, um, especially missions in America to think like the solid churches are in America, right? And so the solid missionaries are in America. And so we really need to go and, and take all of our, uh, we need to go form healthy churches there because otherwise they won't be formed. Well, you know, whenever you're in Kenya, I mean, what we found, the church we are part of is incredibly solid. Some of the most gifted preachers I've been around uh, were a part of our local church in Nairobi to the fact that, like, we're in, there and it was a blessing going, they don't need me to be a pastor here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I probably shouldn't. They're really, really gifted brothers here who are already serving and leading this church. Um, and, and so we can have a misconception that, you know, all those other countries, they're kind of backwards, and th- maybe their churches aren't as solid as the ones we have here. And that, that's wrong. Christ is building his church across the nations, and they're already there. They're already faithful brothers and sisters who are serving Christ. Um, so, so I think that's one and along those same lines of there's a misconception saying, like, we, we know what mission strategy should, strategy should look like, and therefore we should just come in and kind of set the vision, and missionaries can come in and just say, this is exactly what we're going to do, and they, they leave out the brothers and sisters who are already on the ground there. Uh, and that, that's not healthy, uh, really there are, like I said, already solid churches. So I think um, maybe a misconception that churches can take is, is saying, like, we decide the mission strategy and we execute the mission strategy rather than I think a mission strategy should probably say, what's already going on on the ground? How can we partner with what's already going on on the ground? So if, if somebody are going to move to Nairobi, Kenya, I'd say, hey, before you decide exactly what your ministry is going to look like, you should probably connect base with some of the churches who are there and see what needs they have to carry out the Great Commission because they already know the culture. They already have, you know, they know what they're trying to do there uh, rather than just say, we've got it figured out here in America. Obviously, we got the right answer to take to Kenya, China, or whatever country it might be. So I, I don't know if that makes sense. Hmm. That's helpful. Yeah, and I, and I point out from time to time here that so I know – for our denomination, it's different because there are no Southern Baptist churches in Africa, right? Uh, but we certainly see that first part in some of our sister denominations that some of them are more sound in Africa. Than they are. I've been singing the praises of the United Methodist Church in Africa for years now as being more sound doctrinally than even yeah. many here. Um, all right, so so one thing that we want to hear because right we've never been to Kenya, most of us have not. We haven't lived in Nairobi in that. So what are two or three of just the most fascinating things about life in Kenya that are just that really noteworthy things to share? 
Yeah, one of my favorite things about just daily life there um, was we lived in um, a compound, and so there aren't just, like, houses and then the road. There's walls, like concrete walls around communities and a gate and a security guard. So you know where I'm going with this. I have three young kids. We had, like, eight houses in our compound, kids running around, and, like, I could just send my kids out to play, and there's a security guard, and it was very safe. And, um, yeah, I love that. Um, because we're in a major city, I wouldn't have been able to just send them outside, but I could do that. They had friends in our community. I thought that, I mean, that affected me and, um, you know, on a daily basis, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing, I mean, the fruits, y'all, are just amazing. Tropical fruits, so mangoes, pineapple, you know, watermelons, all the, all the things. And we had a fruit stand right behind our house um, on the other side of the wall. And so we just go right outside, buy fruits for cheap, bring them home and eat them. And that was, that was pretty cool. Mm. That also brought uh, monkeys because the monkeys would come. We'd call it monkey day. I don't know if they sent memos out, like, guys, they have some fruit they've thrown out, come. But we, I mean, monkeys, like 30, 40 would be behind the wall back there and come and get fruit and run along. And so inevitably some would end up in our yard. Um, and we, we watched a monkey sit there and peel a banana one day. I told the kids, all right, I'm done helping you peel a banana. The animals can do it. Like, I'm um, not doing that anymore. But anyway, so that was pretty fun. I mean, we were able to watch animals. Yeah, so I was Levi, uh, I was potty training Levi, helping him in the restroom, and I heard a noise, and I didn't know what it was, and I came out of the restroom, and I had had some rice cakes on the dining table, and they were in the backyard because a monkey had come in. I don't know if they, hey, you go in and grab that and bring it out, but there were like 15 monkeys fighting over this um, bag of rice cakes. So that was different. We had to keep the, the doors closed um yeah but the the weather was beautiful and so you wanted to keep the windows and doors open you just had to watch so so what type of monkeys because like i'm picturing aladdin i don't know what kind of monkey the monkey is on aladdin but like he's stealing from the fruit stand what kind are these they're smaller they're called that type of monkey yeah. Yeah. like vervet i think is the name of them vervet miss dane can you try and find us a vervet monkey a picture of a vervet monkey. It'd be similar to a jackalope, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of going off that. I mean, the fascinating thing, it, really, the wildlife. Yeah. Where I would train in, in southern Kenya, so, for instance, whenever I was, I was teaching there just a week or two before we moved back, and on my way, I mean, I was driving by giraffes, zebras, you know, wildebeest, legit, just driving down the road, passing these things, in, wow. you know, out, out in the wild, which was, you know, just a, it's amazing. Uh, Kenya is, is, really is a beautiful country. I mean, just one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. Um, and so geography, the, the wildlife, and the climate, people think about Africa being really hot. Uh, I felt guilty in one sense being in, in Nairobi because it's like perfect climate because uh, it's about 5,600 feet above sea level. So it, it uh, never gets over about 85, never gets below about 48, 49. Wow. Um, 
So people, yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions on both sides of uh, our African brothers and sisters thinking we're really used to cold weather. And we're like, no, we actually hate cold weather. Um, but then a lot of people in America seeing us wearing like fleece or whatever uh, at certain times, they're going, wait, why are you wearing that? You're in Africa. And it's like, well, I think it's cool. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, wildlife, geography, climate, it was really cool. Yeah. Wow. You have to ask the kids about the safari we went on. It was, it was really cool. We got to see lions and cheetahs chasing warthogs and, wow. yeah, all the, all the things. So that was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Did you spear anything? Oh, we no. didn't want to go to jail. Uh, oh, so that's illegal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very, okay. very yeah. illegal. Well, don't do that then. Um, all right, so you've already shared about some of the, the Great Commission-type work that you did there um, through training pastors, through being part of a church, through discipling your children, um, which are all extremely important. I know that the way that y'all went with reaching and teaching through the organization, um, that you had partnerships here with uh, people financially and, and prayerfully, um, supporting you so how would you say that your partners in the U.S. helped aid in the mission work that y'all did while overseas? Yeah so um, there were a couple of ladies um, that were able to receive some support because of your support Um, so one is um, one thing that was very different about the culture there is almost everyone has hired a worker to help in the home with cleaning, cooking, um, and that was something that was very strange at first, but it was almost expected for us to to do that, um, to provide an income for a family. So we were able to hire someone, and and that was a a support of an entire family. Um, And it's less than what you would think, actually, that um, they live on. So that was um, because of your support, and this lady... Um, was in our home for a while, and um, it's okay. It's okay. Anyway, she became a believer mm. because of you guys. Um, Praise God. And really, apart from us, it was pretty cool. So um, she said, "I have some news," and I was like, "Okay, um, what's the news?" And she got out a tract, and she told me the gospel. Um, yeah. Because um, she had been going to a class at her church, and they had been going through the gospel. And she said she had been um, in a church for, I mean, off and on her whole life. But that was the first time that she understood. And so that just opened up opportunities for discipleship. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, I'll share the other one after you go so I can compose myself. Yeah, uh, so... There, even though there are so many things that were great about Nairobi, there's also, it, missionary life, you just get discouraged. Uh, so the government's very corrupt. Uh, and so dealing with in, things like immigration, uh, simple like visas and things like that, that should be pretty straightforward or are not straightforward because of people wanting bribes and things like that that are very, very common. Um, and it's easy to, to get so discouraged by those things or overwhelmed by those things to just be like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Um, but honestly, just knowing that there were churches like Mount Zion and other churches and other individuals that whenever we're sending out the, the monthly newsletter saying, hey, can you pray for this work visa to get, uh, to get issued? 
And knowing people were reading that and praying for us, that legitimately was just a, a, a source of confidence and, and comfort even, even knowing brothers and sisters truly were praying for us and people reaching out and encouraging us. That had a big effect on us. Um, and then even financially, we know many missionaries who struggle month in and month out to just pay the bills to be able to live overseas. And praise the Lord, we, we didn't deal with that but because the Lord provided uh, abundantly so we could you know, travel around Kenya and train pastors in every part of Kenya, basically. Um, and it's because of Mount Zion and others who, who wanted to see the gospel take root and to, to grow across the nation. So I am just extremely grateful, and I'll share a little more later as I'm preaching, but just so grateful for, for you all corporately as a church, but you all individually as well, of the source of encouragement you've been to us um, in, in so many different ways. The other lady, um, her name is Euphrasia. You can pray for her. Um, she was a member of our church in um, Nairobi, and she... Um, Getting a job in Kenya is, is very difficult. Many people want to work but are unable to because the opportunities aren't there. And so there was a, there's a teacher training um, program. It's called uh, Rafiki. You can look it up. But um, they train ladies to be classical Christian educators and then help them with job placement. Um, so she's in that program now. Um, and you can pray for her to be able to finish the program and find meaningful work um, for, and, and she would be supporting her whole family, her, her dad, her brothers, her, um, yeah. So you can be praying for her. Her name is Euphrasia. Um, so yeah, we're, we're very thankful just for um, the prayers and the financial support um, that you guys yeah. have given. There's the, the monkey. So that's what they look like. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the name of the program is Rafiki. That's the monkey off Aladdin. That was his name, off, Rafiki. Off of uh, Lion King, yeah, yeah. So you, oh, Lion King? You, you guys know some Swahili. You, are you more sure? Swahili than you think if, you've, if you know the people from Lion King. What's the one's name off of Aladdin? Uh, Can somebody Google that? Abu, yeah. Abu. Abu. What does that mean in Swahili? Well, I don't uh, know about that. Man, Swahili. different part of the world. I thought y'all knew Swahili, We man. do. No, Abu, I'm saying. But yeah. Rafiki means friend. Friends. Rafiki means friend in Swahili. Simba means lion. Oh, that, that's a good one. I can remember that. Yeah. Uh, the little song, Asante Sana Squash Banana. That means thank you very much for the squash banana. Yeah. Hakuna Matata. Does Hakuna Matata really mean? No, no worries. worries. No worries? Yeah. 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 Man. Y'all didn't know how much you were going to learn today, did you? Um. All right, and I think that specifically hearing what they just shared um, should remind us, you know, I, I talk about 3 John. I know I talk, bring it up every time we have missionaries here. We talked about Wednesday night with Sam. But, you know, this idea of how we ought to support people that are going out for the sake of the name of Christ to teach so that they can be supported, right? They just shared that us doing that as a church and some of you as individuals allowed them, right, we're partnering with sharing the gospel with people you'll never meet in places you'll never go, and praise the Lord for that. But also that encouragement. Um, some of you, I know, get newsletters, the, the monthly updates from our mission partners. If you don't and you'd like to, right, Matthew sends one. 
uh, I think actually weekly, Matthew sends an update. Andrew Hanna from Harvest Church sends us one weekly. Jim and Penny send one every month. If you don't get those and you would like to individually get those, um, let me know. We can get you signed up for those. But I think sometimes whenever they send that and say, would you pray for this, it sounds like it would be encouraging if we wrote back and said, I am or we are specifically praying for this. Yeah, absolutely. Just a short reply. I mean, and we, we had that sometimes, and it really is encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's very helpful for us. All right, anything else about Kenya before we kind of transition, talk a little bit about Luling? Luling? I'm trying to say it. So I know, like, like you can tell somebody's from Brookhaven, by the way, they say Brookhaven, right? So I'm, I'm trying not to say Luling the wrong way. Um, all right, so tell us this. You're in Nairobi. And there's a church in Luling that's looking for a pastor. What's the connection? How does that, how do they first get in touch with you? Yeah, backtrack uh, a little, kind of back to, to March. Um, moved over, training pastors there, and, and things are, are going really well. Uh, but just, honestly, as I'm training pastors, the Lord is just doing a work in my heart, and it's like, I miss shepherding the flock. Hmm. I miss pastoring. Um, and so told Margaret uh, back in March, hey, I'm kind of, it's kind of how I'm feeling. Um, and we just start fasting and, and praying regularly uh, and, and start talking with our pastors there in Nairobi and our pastors in, in New Orleans because um, we don't want to make a significant decision without the input of our, our pastors and really of our Pastors in New Orleans would have said, no, you shouldn't do this. You, you need to stay. We would have stayed. Hmm. Um, so, but just start praying, seeking counsel, and the Lord's just growing this desire to shepherd his flock um, over, over the months. And Luling, which is just south of, of New Orleans, actually Emmanuel, uh, so Matthew and them, we had sent guys over to fill the pulpit um, many, many times. So they... Luling had been without a pastor for quite a while, and uh, I, I used to help lead what's called the Timothy track. So it's, we help kind of raise up future pastors and missionaries and, and things in the context of the church and, and send them out. Well, a lot of our Timothy track guys were going over to preach at Luling. And so I knew about it, but it wasn't really on the radar of maybe we should go there. But it just came up somehow, and we watched one of their worship services on, on Facebook. And it happened to be the worship service where the pastor search committee made this presentation at the end of the uh, worship service saying, hey, here's where some things we've been being taught, and here are the changes I think our church, and we'll talk some about revitalization and things like that in a little bit, but here are some changes that we think the church needs to make to become healthier. Uh, and as they start outlining these things, Margaret and I are watching going, that's exactly, you know, where we are theologically, and this, this is exactly what I would do if I'm, you know, shepherding the flock. And so from that, it's like, okay, then maybe, you know. And then we also had multiple, yeah, people that they connected with that kind of gave us the opportunity and also told them about me. And so there's like three different points of connection. That it just seemed like the Lord was making it clear to them and to us this is this is the right fit. Yeah, praise God for that. I'm sure somebody shared with you, and you probably already knew the the Spurgeon quote. You know, if you can 
do anything other than pastor? Do that? So he talked about that. He said, you know, if you're a pastor and you can do anything other than pastoring, go do that. And as soon as Cody told me that they were coming back, I immediately thought of that. You know, he pastored while in New Orleans and then went as a missionary to train pastors. But it's as it if the Lord gripped him and said, no, this, this is what I have for you is shepherding a flock. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for your your uh, commitment and faithfulness to come back, because I'm sure it'd be easy to know we're here, people know we're here, they support us and send us, we don't want to kind of, you know, but that you did what the Lord called you to. I appreciate that. So tell us, what's Luling like? Has anybody here ever been to Luling? All right, so we've got two, two Luling, Lulingites have visited Luling. So tell us a little bit about Luling for everybody except for the yeah, two of us. Y'all probably know better than me. Bob, you want to come tell us what Luling's like? <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Down in that area, especially, you know, from Luling South, a lot of you know, fishing and, and things like that, you start getting into really Cajun country. Uh, mm. And so the size of Luling proper be similar to, to Brookhaven as far as po- population of Luling proper. But what kind of sticks out to me as far as Luling and the surrounding region, uh, just the, the lack of really solid churches. Mm. Um, so heavily Roman Catholic uh, part of Louisiana, um, and, and so just a real gospel need, uh, not just in Luling, but there are all sorts of these little small communities and small towns around um, that just need faithful churches, and um, so yeah, I, it has a small town feel. A lot of the people there in First Baptist Church Luling have been there for, for decades, uh, so I mean, grew up in Brookhaven, there'd be a lot of similarities, just like Dr. Bob said more fishing and different, some different cultural dynamics, but uh, same gospel need. Yeah, okay. And so geographically, for those that don't know, it's outside of New Orleans? Yeah, across the river. So if you, Kenner, if you're familiar with Kenner, uh, which is um, you know, just outside of New Orleans, you go across the river south of Kenner. Um, you'll, if you're on 310, you cross the river, you run straight into to Luling. Okay. So I told him this was information to me. I didn't know that you could cross the river and still be in Louisiana. Like, I thought that that was the line all the way down. But So you're on this side, the east side of the Mississippi River, and you're still in Louisiana. That's Luling. So there you go. I know y'all are like, oh, idiot, of course. <laughs> but it's news to me. So, um, all right, so y'all learned Cajun? You speak Cajun enough? No? Okay. Eat Cajun, but I don't Eat speak Cajun. Eat Cajun, Okay. Uh, all right, so tell us this. You talked a little bit about they're looking at this process of kind of church revitalization. So what does that mean for those of us that have never heard that term before? What does that mean? What does that look like? Kind of explain that process a bit, if you would. Yeah, so church revitalization are, is whenever a church has, <clears throat> has entered a, a period of decline, and I don't just mean numerical, though that is part of it, uh, to an extent where there, it's not like the church is closing the doors quite yet, but they're on, on a trajectory that if nothing changes in the next, you know, handful of years, the church will likely close. And, and that's really, that's First Baptist Church Luling. And, and, I mean, they've said that much, so it's not like, man, Cody's throwing them under the bus. Um, but, no, I mean, this, this is what they would say themselves um, because it's been a rough several years for many churches. Uh, it's been a tough time. But particularly for uh, First Baptist Church Luling, they lost their senior pastor just, I think, six months before COVID hit. And so just imagine not having leadership to kind of guide through the difficult season that COVID entailed. 
um, and decreasing numbers. And then uh, their sanctuary flooded twice, uh, took on water twice. But this more, more recent time with Ida, uh, they had to completely redo everything within, within their main uh, meeting room. And so it's just been, it seems like trial after trial after trial. And so with that, the numbers have decreased, giving's decreased. And so church revitalization is where you, someone comes in and tries to lead the church in, in a way that uh, is, is healthier. And I don't just mean so you grow numerically, but I mean kind of changes that more closely align to what the, the Bible says, what church life and church practice should look like instead of just what has always been done. And, and even the pastor search committee and the lay leadership of the church, that's exactly what they were saying in that meeting that we were watching whenever we said, man, this could be a good fit for us. Because it's things like, hey, we want to take the Bible seriously about what it says about belonging to the church, being committed to church life, so church membership, or having um, qualified and maybe a plurality of qualified men as pastors to, um, to have someone who preaches the word of God expositionally, and so explaining what the, what the Bible means in their preaching. And so church revitalization is just patiently and, and trying to guide a church to adopt these policies and practices uh, that closely align to how the Bible says church life should look like. That's kind of, we could go more in depth, and we can, but that's kind of summary of yeah. it. Absolutely, and, and they're going to be around in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break between now and when we have our corporate worship service, and so I'm sure they'd be willing to answer questions that y'all might have. Um, so so as as you're going in as pastor of First Baptist Luling that's in this revitalization process, what are a couple of goals that you'll have? Um, and then what's kind of a feasible timeline that, that you hope that y'all are able to move to adopting some of these more healthy biblical practices? Yeah, the, so the goal, just kind of a personal goal, and this is what we told them, because they want to make changes, and they said, hey, how are you going to do this? And uh, I was like, well, listen, first off, there's no silver bullet that's going to magically, you do this, and everything's going to be perfect. You know, start, you know the numbers are going to go through the roof and, and all that stuff. Rather... My goal, and I think what the Bible calls pastors to do, is I want to preach the word of God faithfully. I want to pray faithfully. And I want to model, by the grace of God, model what healthy church life looks like. And so that just looks like trying to be a faithful evangelist, trying to invite people into our home uh, and be hospitable. And as we're sharing a meal together, ask intentional questions about what the Lord is doing in this person's life and just encourage one another in the faith. I mean, that's really what the Bible talks about the, the New Testament church is like. It's just people who are intentionally trying to spur one another on in the faith, right? And so my goal is just to be a model, an example of that, and to, to teach God's word. As far as, and I'll let you, I don't know if you have anything else uh, to share on that one, but as far as timeline, uh, there's not a set timeline because, again, I think it, you have to move at the speed at the congregation's ready. Mm-hmm. So I'm a congregationalist. I believe that, that Christ has given authority to the congregation itself to lead the, lead the church. 
Like, I, it's not like, all right, I'm hired, I'm coming in, Cody's calling the shots. I actually mm. think that's a really unbiblical mm. view of church leadership. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I want to go in. Anytime you're trying to make change, and you all know this, you're in an established church. You want to make change at an established church. Can you do that in a hurry? No. Like, it doesn't matter how large or how small the change is, right? It takes time. And especially you start talking about, hey, we want to really teach on what it means to be a church member. Hey, we want to start uh, being faithful to what the Bible calls us about church discipline. Those are, those are things that, that bring a lot of questions, that maybe even bring some concerns and reservations. And so there's no set timeline. Uh, rather, I'm just, and this is what I've told the church time and time again. I want to be really patient um, and, and just make sure I'm, I'm teaching faithfully, answering questions, uh, and that, they're, that the congregation's actually on board before we're kind of actually making changes within the, within the bylaws. As far as, like, outreach goes, they're really wanting to reach the community um, hmm. and have people, you know, come to know Christ and join the church. And so they're asking, like, what our strategy is for that. And it doesn't look too spectacular. We're like, you know, I think we need to keep doing, you know, VBS and those outreach events. But then it needs to be more than that. It needs to be, um, you know, when you're taking your kids to the park, talking to people that are there, getting to know, building relationships, sharing the gospel, inviting them to church, so basically, what, what, um, where are you already, and what are you already doing, and how can you reach out to people just in your spheres that you're already? Because it's hard to add things on. It is. We're all busy. Um, but anyway, that, that was kind of our thing. We're like, well, we'll invite our neighbors over for dinner. We hope you guys will do that. You know, hope we can do Little League and meet mm-hmm. some people. And um, so I think just a mindset of... Um, yeah, having compassion for those around around us wherever we wherever we already are. Um, so yeah. yeah. Can I? I don't want to preach at you, but can I just encourage you too? Like, if you want to, you say, oh, man, I really want to make a difference in my community and, and things like that. Like, you don't need a position to do that. You don't need a program to do that. Uh, really, just say, all right, we're going to commit twice a month. We're going to invite another family, either in the church or just maybe an unbelieving family or somebody who's not plugged into a church. We're going to invite them over for dinner just twice a month. And during that time, you're going to be praying for them. And as well, you're just going to use that conversation uh, as you're grilling out and, and you're going to be watching college football. Just ask this person, how, how did the Lord save you? Or if this person's an unbeliever, say, hey, why don't you consider being a part of, of Mount Zion, or why don't you tag along to church with me this Sunday? That is not glamorous, but that that's effective. <laughs> that that really is, I, I think, more closely aligned to how the New Testament portrays church life, of just living your life, being faithful witness to, to those who are already in your life. So let me just encourage you with that, but I, I won't continue preaching or ranting on that one. That's good. Um, Y'all know a few weeks ago, whenever we had Zane Pratt from the IMB here, um, as he was here that weekend, that's one of the things that he told me. So he's his job, part of his job, is assessing any missionaries that the IMB would bring in. And and it's one thing that he said is, if if somebody is not already engaged in doing that sort of work, sharing the gospel, inviting people into their home, doing mission work where they live, 
we won't accept them as IMB missionaries because we trust that you're not going to go overseas and do something that you're not doing home. And so I appreciate Cody and Margaret uh, just showing again their heart for sharing Christ with people, whether it's in Kenya or whether it's here. And I pray that that's encouraging to us to do the same thing. Um, I, I pray that as you hear Margaret talking about homeschooling as discipleship, right? Whether you homeschool or not, your time with your children is discipleship, right? It's not just kind of get to the next day. It's teaching them to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. Uh, as you hear her talking about having somebody that was in her home as an opportunity to disciple, I pray that we see those same things and that we, we seek to do those same things. I also appreciate that you hear Cody. He's saying, hey, when we were going to Kenya, it's important that you find out what they're doing there before you try and have a mission strategy. And he said the same thing here. I said, what are kind of some of your goals going in? He said, well, we know there are things we'd like to do, but I would like to do those alongside the congregation that's already there, right? I want their input. I don't want to come in and set a timeline and do these things on our own. We want input from the people that are there. And it just shows how much he values every single believer's uh, personal walk with the Lord and, uh, and their ability to be able to make sound decisions by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm thankful for y'all's heart. Um, so we're going to pray for Euphrasia, uh, and, and we're going to pray for y'all. Are there a couple of specific things that we can pray for specifically as y'all transition to Luling? So you'll begin Sunday officially as pastor. So what are some things that we can pray for now and in the days to come for y'all? Um, just practically speaking, we're supposed to close on a house uh, Tuesday. Pray that goes smoothly. Uh, so this, this week will be quite busy. Hmm. Uh, so just pray the Lord would allow all that to go smoothly. Um, yeah, pray for patience for me to, as I guide the, the, the church. Um, pray that the Lord would just give us a really robust uh, relationships within the church and that you know, we would truly love the church and they would truly, truly love us as well. Margaret, do you have any specific things? Um, I think I'd just add um, just transition for the kids, especially. I mean, for all of us, but um, it's different here than it has been for the past year and a half for us. So um, just that reverse culture shock would not be, mm. not be, not be too bad in that, uh, yeah, we, we'd build relationships in the kids as well. We'd build some good relationships with friends. So. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, if y'all don't mind, pray with me. Let's pray for Cody and Margaret, and then we'll have a break for a few minutes, and then we'll come back for corporate worship in just a few. But let's pray. Father God, I am thankful. Uh